It is Locked On NBA Thursday edition. David Locke along with Ben Golliver. Lots going on. The NBA has found something fabulous with play-in. They found something fabulous if you get rid of the eight worst teams. And the NBA players are sticking to their name and to their word of being... Uh, active and keeping on the front lines of social issues while they're out there. Donovan Mitchell, a huge player tribune piece. LeBron James with some big comments. And the man that is in the bubble bouncing around is Ben Golliver of the Washington Post. Ben, how are you? Doing very well, Locke. I got to say, we were sort of sitting around and waiting for Trump to weigh in, right? I mean, that's kind of been the feeling. You knew the players when they knelt on opening night and made such a big show of it. It was going to be something that, crossed all political boundaries and kind of, you know, got through the noise, I thought for sure. And it was just kind of a a ticking time bomb. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And finally, I think Trump weighed in on Wednesday morning in an interview, basically calling the NBA players disgraceful and saying he's turning off the games. And, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, that prompted a pretty big reaction from NBA players. And let's get into the reaction. And and how did you feel it was... um... And I have no problem with either one of these. Like, was it orchestrated? Do you think that they got together and decided how they were going to respond? Do you think it was just from their hearts? What do you think there was coming from that? Well, I think it was more of an organic uh, response, frankly, because, you know, everyone's on Twitter. They're all down here. They're all seeing kind of what the talking uh, points are. And they've also heard, you know, Trump have comments about Kaepernick for years. And I do think that there's kind of still some lingering resentment in terms of how he spoke about, um, you know, college football players or, or NFL players in kind of a derogatory manner. Um, I think that the whole, you know, you bum controversy people might remember in 2017 when LeBron called uh, the president a bum because he, you know, uninvited the Warriors from their traditional White House visit after they won the title. All this stuff has just kind of been simmering and lingering. But if you go back over the last month, as much as the players have really been talking about activist messages and Black Lives Matter and, you know, Breonna Taylor and all these different topics, They've really left the president almost out of it, uh, not naming him necessarily directly. What we saw yesterday, though, was LeBron basically asked point blank, what did you make of uh, Trump's comments? And even he was a little bit hesitant to dig in. But ultimately, he said, look, we couldn't care less if he's watching our games or not. The game is going to go on without him. It was sort of like the two sides had parted back and gone back to their corners, you know, in a boxing match uh, and and, uh, just didn't want to engage in the middle of the ring. But you know, ultimately, he also called on everyone to go vote in November. I mean, I think he tried to make it about a little bit more than just a back and forth and trying to keep his message message focused on the same thing he's been working with, uh, with his more than a, a vote campaign. So, uh, you know, it's it's another uh, chapter to this ongoing um, you know, storyline for the NBA players in terms of why are they down here in Orlando and, and what are they trying to get out of it? So they've become now polarized uh whether it's Fox News or other places are talking about them and if, are trying to run their, to their audience in a very divided country are now have their talking points. One of the talking points is, well, why don't you talk about China? And another talking point is, well, look at all your black-on-black crime in Chicago. Um, in my opinion, these are distractions. They are not connected. You know, they do not de... Uh, they may be accurate. Like, I think China's a real issue that has to be discussed. And, you know, crime in Chicago is a real issue that has to be discussed. They do not... Um, discredit the question about police brutality, do not question the uh, systematic racism issues, despite the fact the way they're being presented. But it is clear that they are now being used, you know, the NBA players have got themselves in a very divisive situation, the league does, and that there's an entire, you know, network that's basically sending the message that Trump is sending that is don't go watch their games, which could lead to them losing business. Are they okay with that? 
I think that they, they seem okay with it. I mean, I think that they firmly believe that they're on the right side of history. And, and just it's the quantity of this conversation that is what kind of impresses me. I mean, Chris Paul uh, showing up in the HBCU, uh, you know, historically black colleges outfits, basically game after game, um, you know, trying to keep uh, their, you know, player voices united on these issues. Um, you see just player after player referencing Breonna Taylor. Uh, you see LeBron James even talking about a video he watched yesterday uh, of the family in, in Colorado was basically face down um, after a traffic stop on the pavement uh, for, you know, a completely unrelated uh, situation they weren't even involved in. And he said it was, you know, hurtful and disgraceful to kind of watch that video. And, you know, he sent his, his thoughts out to the little girl. I think it probably made him think of his own daughter uh, when he's watching that video. And I just think that they're committed to this cause, right? Like, it's not like they're going to go down with the ship because I think, you know, the majority of Americans are now kind of on their side, but that doesn't mean everybody is. And like you're saying, there's going to be critics. Those critics are likely going to get louder as we get close to the election. Uh, but none of this stuff is going anywhere. And I think that's sort of their point. I think that they want this conversation. I think they're trying to lean into it. They're trying to force it. They're trying to make people think about these things in, in different ways. You know, LeBron evokes slavery again, you know, basically saying like, you know, black people aren't asking for that much, especially when you consider what's happened for the last 400 years. Um, you know, these are very direct comments that we would not have heard, I don't think, even like two or three years ago. I think that they believe this is their moment and, and they are trying to um, keep that momentum going. Donovan Mitchell wrote a big piece in the Players' Tribune, very much just his personal experiences. I thought non-controversial, just another kind of listen to what it's been like and revealing about how he grew up uh, in school in a white neighborhood. He went to school in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is probably the most affluent neighborhood in America. And he talked about how he always wore his athletic gear or things of that nature as a signal to people in the neighborhood that he was all right to be there. And yet, I'll be honest, as the Jazz play-by-play -play announcer, my Twitter, and he tells a story about how he got pulled over in Louisville um, and when he was pulled over in Louisville, uh, he hit four black guys in a car by a police officer. They, they never get charged for anything. And the officer says, I'll let you go because I like your coach. Um, you know, yeah. uh, pretty telling article. You know, and yet my Twitter feed, he never said why he was pulled over. He could have been speeding or something. Not everything has to be about race. Uh, if I had to listen to every entertainer and take in what their thoughts were, I wouldn't, you know, I don't have time for that. Uh, maybe he should start trying to help the Jazz win. I thought that's what they were paying him for. He's had all offseason to be an activist. People are clearly tired of this. Whether they're right or wrong, yeah. fans are tired of it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's, I, I wouldn't say all fans. You know, I'm always. Uh, and, and let me. And, and that's. Let... You know what? That's a great point. I would say I'm 70 30, you know, on those reactions. But, but only 70 30, good, frankly. Yeah, and I would say this. I mean, J.J. Reddick made this point last week of, like, the idea that if you actually look at the polling on this issue, the support for Black Lives Matter, the support for uh, social justice um, has swung considerably this summer kind of into their favor. I mean, this was used to be, I would say, even like six months ago, it might have been closer to 50-50 for you in that kind of a situation, or maybe even 40-60 the other way, right? So I think to some degree there, there may have been some gains. Now, whether those are going to be long-lasting and – uh, you know, eternal games, and that's just going to be how it is going forward. Who knows? But, um, yes, they are risking backlash. There's no question. Um, I think that, you know, their attitude most likely is that most people who are paying customers of the NBA, uh, if you look at the demographics, are going to be, uh, you know, generally more sympathetic to their cause, more open and willing to listen. But that doesn't mean everyone. And, you know, there's lots of different people who buy tickets, lots of different people who, uh, you know, buy jerseys, lots of different people 
uh, who are you know season ticket holders and watch on television and pay for the cable packages and everything else. And you know there is uh, a major sentiment among a lot of people that it's nice to have sports back because it's a distraction. They want to get away from it, and the players are just basically you know not making it impossible. But like I said earlier, they're forcing this issue. And so if you're that fan. Uh, who wants to stick to sports, um, you are having a, a more difficult time than ever, especially if you're consuming NBA content. One thing that I like that Donovan Mitchell has done is actually called people out directly on social media. Like if they're in his comments with some of the same kind of things that you're saying, you know, he's essentially like, hey, man, are you kind of you guys with us or against us? I thought you were a fan. You know, don't just cheer for the jersey, cheer for the person. Like those kinds of comments. To me, I think that's really effective because it does put the owners back on the individual person to really think about it. Like, you know, who do you want to be as a person? What are you trying to support? What are your priorities and your values? And, uh, you know, I think that that kind of conversation hopefully could change some minds. We'll see. I mean, it could also just anger people. And like you said, I mean, it could make some people tune out, um, like President Trump and his followers. It's a a very complicated issue. I don't see a right answer. I mean, what would your advice be uh, to Donovan in this situation? Well, I think you just have to be true to your heart. And if there's a price to pay for being true to your heart, then I think that's what you that you have to accept that. And you have to be aware of that. And I think that's I think that's where we all are. And I think that's what honestly, I think that's what they're asking. That's what they've asked out of all of us. Right. I've said this numerous times on a personal note. Uh, I was supportive and passive. They would like me to be strong and brave. For sure. And I mean, I'm, I'm weighing this every single night in terms of what stories do you cover down here? There's 22 teams, right? Um, there's a, a bunch of stars. A lot of guys are playing good. You've got a great race for the West eighth seed. And yet to me, the lead story today is definitely, you know, LeBron versus Trump and that conversation, right. And everything that goes into that and what it means for America. And for a lot of people, they don't even think that should be a story, right. They just want us to break down Pelicans versus uh, Blazers versus Grizzlies and, and have that be the lead. I get it. I mean, it's, it's a complicated situation, but I think, you know, sometimes this feels to me a little bit like a historic moment. You know, I think we're going to circle 2020, you know, 30, 40 years down the road and be like, that was a really, really important year um, for a, you know, a million reasons, politically, but also COVID and everything else. And I just think, um, you know, sometimes it is important to try to try to get the uh, the big picture stuff and, and, and lead with that. It's a lot to it. Ben Golliver. Washington Post writing from the bubble, uh, locked on NBA. I will uh, now talk when we continue on Pelicans and the eighth seed in the playing game and the brilliance of all that, because that's the weirdest transition I've ever made right there, ever. (laughs) But I will tell you that today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto art customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to taillights to carpet whatever you might need and the great thing is that rock auto has the same pricing for professional mechanics as it does for do-it-yourselfers they're the same for everyone and they're always reliably low they offer the same lowest prices possible by charging prices based on what the mark instead of doing it the way some of the stores do where it goes up and down and when you walk into a store and the guy goes to his computer starts plugging in things you only get what's in that store if you go to rock auto you get the incredible selection of rock auto basic straightforward Kind of old school, right there for you, giving the do-it-yourselfers and the professionals the same respect. Why spend twice as much going to some other place for parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that you know that who sent you. That's Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us selection. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Ben, yesterday I called the Jazz Grizzlies game. And I thought it was incredible. Like, 
from the Jazz standpoint, it's not that important a game. They're, they're playing, you know, they're trying to get their groove and figure out how to play without Boyan. Every team has their own story, but from the Grizzlies standpoint, like it was pretty amazing. You know, they're they're cutting it to five with five minutes left, and they're somewhat playing for their lives, right? They're about to not even make the play-in game. Portland's gotten hot. Phoenix has won three in a row. San Antonio's won two out of three. New Orleans is still tripping up all over themselves. We'll see if what they get done today. Um, and they've, you know, they shouldn't lose again, and then they're suddenly back into it. But I thought it was just in a, a kind of a remarkable how this single play-in game has created a whole storyline of itself and I is definitely something the NBA should be looking to try to, to work toward in the future. It, it's a crazy story. I never really saw it playing out this intensely, but it has been really, really funny to tra- uh, fun to track on a daily basis. What kind of tickles me is that you've got the Eastern Conference race where all the people who criticize the idea of the play-in can point to that one and say, oh, look how pointless this is. I mean, Washington's not even in it. There's no interest whatsoever. Who cares if it's Brooklyn or Orlando or Washington, whatever. It's a non-story. But then in the West, you've got basically five teams with, you know, at least four star or superstar level players among them, all just, you know, battling every single night. And as you're mentioning, you know, with Memphis and their season on the line, earlier this week, it was New Orleans with their season on the line where they have to go and beat Memphis head to head. Otherwise, they're in in deep trouble starting in the bubble 0-3. And and it, it takes Zion late in that game and, and Brandon Ingram to kind of push them over the hump. And even being in that building, it did feel like uh, maybe not quite a playoff game just because there's no crowd, no noise, but it felt like there was real genuine stakes. And that's how it has been every single night. Same deal actually with uh, Portland and Houston, you know, Houston comes in winning their first two games. They're flying high. Portland needs a win to kind of keep it in the race. And what do you know? I mean, they're, they're able to get it, uh, you know, nice closing performance. Carmelo Anthony uh, hits a three-pointer as a dagger and gets a lot of love for that one. So, I mean, it's every single night, all eyes are kind of t- turned to that race. And it's hilarious, too, because you look at their regular season records and you're thinking, like, these guys are way under 500. Like, who even cares? But you actually watch the, the performances, and they've been very entertaining. Um, you know, guys are locked in. They're playing hard. You're getting great performances from the star-level guys. And it's also just impossible to predict. I mean, you can kind of try to handicap it, but ultimately, like, the story changes day after day. I believe it was Tom Ziller who wrote about this, and you can get uh, – I should probably give Tom a plug if I'm going to uh, mention how you can get his Substack uh, morning uh, piece because it, it's quite good. Uh, but I, he, he wrote about – wondering, had the NBA discovered something in regards to um, taking out these eight teams? that maybe that there's some March 11th date, let's use March 11th as COVID day, um, in which from now on, the NBA suddenly has a flexible schedule to close the year and that the final third month of the season, those teams that are eliminated from the playoffs go and play amongst themselves where they can then play their young kids and do their various things. And the 22 teams that are still in the playoff race go play a schedule similar to this where they're actually now you have competitive teams playing competitive teams for the final month of the season. Well, I think that this uh, Orlando experiment is going to do exactly what we expected, which is spur those kind of dialogue going forward and like really look at this playoff format again. Uh, You know, I know that you're with me on this one, that top 16 is better than eight from each conference. And you're seeing that again, play out here. I mean, think about, of the teams who are going to be going home and they're going home next week, by the way, we're almost through this whole round, right? There's only like four or five games left for these teams. You could be losing John Morant, Zion Williamson, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, right? Like you could be losing all those guys. And yet you're going to keep 
Orlando, two out of Orlando, Brooklyn, and Washington, right? I mean, how does that make any sense? If this whole point of the bubble is to try to generate as much television interest and revenue as possible by putting on the best matchups, there's no possible way you can tell me that that's better than keeping a couple of these other Western Conference teams around. I'm almost to the point where I'm thinking like, huh, should they try to like convince these Western teams that are going to be sent home to like stick around and do like an NIT tournament, you know, a little round robin just to get a few more games out of it, give them a trophy and, and just kind of keep the television product going. Because I think, uh, you know, this, the safety aspect has worked so well that, uh, you know, I was skeptical that maybe they brought too many teams and played too many games, but you know, the way things are holding up and the interest these teams are generating, I do think there's going to be a, a slight feeling of sadness when some of those teams go home and you're going to be like, dang, I wish I could watch Ja again, or I wish I could watch Zion again. And um, again, it goes back to the format issue. Did the NBA sticking to the eight and eight from each conference shoot itself in the foot here a little bit by, you know, making us wait to see meaningful basketball from Milwaukee or Toronto until basically September. Do you think we can do anything in the future that learns from having all these good teams play? I mean, the, the part of the basketball is great because these guys want to play again. We're learned, we're being reminded how much these guys love to play, all those kind of things. Um, the the flip side of that is, you know, there are also good teams playing each other every night. Like, is there something that can be learned about that? Well, to me, the lesson is you always want to have your best teams in your playoffs as long as possible, right? You and the few, the less weak links you have the better the product will be because you'll have more entertaining games and bigger stars, right? So to me, this is the best argument ever for the top 16 playoffs. And it's saying, well, look, I mean, tradition has typically been the holdup in travel, right? The idea of, oh, you got to fly across the country. It's going to take so long. And um, this is how we've always done it. But I think, you know, COVID shook everything up and it made you look at everything from the, the ground up, right? And what we're seeing here is like, if you put two teams on the court, it doesn't really matter where that court is located doesn't matter where those teams are from in terms of conference affiliation. Uh, if they're both good, it'll be entertaining basketball. This isn't rocket science. And so to me, that would be my main takeaway. If I was an owner or if I was even Adam Silver and saying, look, guys, you know, we face a greater economic pressure now than we did two years ago to try to generate television interest because, um, you know, we can't have fans in the stands going forward. We should think long and hard about taking the best 16 teams in the playoffs, regardless of conference, and just, you know, suck it up on the travel side and trust that if you keep the best teams in the playoffs, you're going to make the money back on television. He's Ben Golliver, the Washington Post. I'm David Locke. We'll talk about what we've learned on the top teams and a theory that maybe picking your opponents is about to happen also coming up here as we continue. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, a guy stuck in a bubble, or spending eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, <laughs> or six hours a day in a gym watching basketball uh, in uncomfortable chairs in the gym. Everyone needs support to make it through the day, and luckily our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recovery it combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try these amazing duos of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering at all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. That's 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. I'm testing the bubble uh, and the delivery system of the bubble today, by the way. Because How's that? 
So a bunch of our coaches and I will go out for Alex Jensen and some others. We'll always go out for ice cream. Quinn loves his ice cream. I don't get to be with the guys. Those are my buddies. And so I actually sent them a case of Grater's ice cream today. So oh, wow. we're going to see whether Grater's ice cream freezer works in travel freezer works in the Orlando heat and through the um, COVID uh, requirements on packages and whether or not it melts or whether it gets to them or not. I, I, it might, you know, cookies from a cookie company might have been a better choice, but you know, there's, there was the element that that's what we, you know, we make our salt and straw runs in Portland together. We do our various things. You just trying to create some normalcy for the guys. Well, I think there's a chance it's going to work because it's a real machine. I don't know if you've, you've seen any pieces done about the uh, shipping depot here, but they're getting more than a thousand packages a day. The other day I went in there and they probably had 25 pallets worth of disinfecting wipes and they were stacked like 10 feet tall so I don't know if that's like the national reserve of, of disinfecting wipes that we've just been like, you know, granted by the federal government or something like that. But you've never seen so many, uh, you know, PPE type stuff uh, in your entire life. I've seen Peloton bikes delivered there, exercise bikes, apparently giant flat screen televisions. PJ I Tucker. Basketball hoops delivered there. I mean, it's out of control. Log. What, what are, uh, before we dig into just kind of what we've seen out of the box and the Lakers and the Clippers and the things that, you know, at the end are really going to matter here. Um, what, are, what other bubble kind of interactions, experience? Do you see the players at dinner? Are you having dinner at all the same places they are? What are, what are some of the uh, experiences you're having inside the bubble? Well, I would say the main interactions that we have, it's just at the gym and hanging out afterwards. It's so funny. Usually guys take forever to get dressed, right? And then they want to leave as quickly as possible. But here, uh, they get ready quickly because they have to go home to shower. And then if they have a good game, they have nowhere to go to celebrate. So they're actually kind of like lingering and kind of hanging out in the hallway sometimes. So, I mean, like the Lakers opening night, they were so glad to beat the, the Clippers. They're like, they didn't want to go home. You know, LeBron and AD are just kind of goofing off in the hallway and talking to people because you know, they got that thrill of playing competitive basketball for the first time in four months. And it's like, they don't want to go back to their hotel room and just sit around. So um, it's been a lot of interactions at the gym. I mean, just keep in mind, we're, we're over there potentially watching eight hours of games a, a day from start to finish. So, I think that would be the, the major one. In terms of away from the gym, uh, you know, you see the referees around a lot. They're actually, like, still in the same little area that we are. They've got some very serious, like, exercise competitions going on. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they're, they, they're probably trying to kill more time than almost anybody else because they can't work back-to-back, and they spend about 10 hours uh, per game that they work, uh, you know, in terms of, like, reviewing the film and actually, you know, repping the game and everything else like that. So they're only working, you know, maybe three days a week here. And that's a lot of downtime for them. They're used to traveling all over the country and everything else. So, um, you know, they're, they're trying to lead the way in terms of like the intramural Olympics, uh, you know, doing different pickleball. And, and, Who won the uh, pickleball tournament? Games. Uh, well, the best pickleball player is Scott Foster. I'm actually writing a story about him right now. I don't want to give the whole thing away, okay. but he is like a quasi pseudo professional pickleball player. Like Rich Chell? He's the ringer. Uh, what's that? You know, Rich Cho, the former GM of the oh, yeah. Hornets, is now a pro pickleball player. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, he uh, was, he's an interesting guy. He was in Portland when I was there, too. Um, you know, he's, he's really passionate about his projects, too, right? Whether it's basketball analytics or the food block he was running, uh, uh, running for a while or the pickleball, I, I could see that for sure. I know he's a, a wicked ping pong player as well, I've heard. Um, so, yeah, it's, you just see all sorts of random stuff. I mean, it, it, every day is a little bit different. Um, but I'll be honest, like we're now into these seeding games where that's driving everything, you know, it's what are guys saying after the games, 
How are they playing? What are the impacts on the standings? I mean, it, it feels to me very much like kind of like the NCAA tournament, I guess, where your every result matters. I mean, that's that's kind of the feeling right now. I got to figure there's some massive card games going on and some other kind of awesome stuff taking place. I know the Jazz had a ping pong tournament with a bracket and seating and all, and they were all around. I know that the Jazz had a, uh, a, a very heated um, pool volleyball uh, match going on that, um, as well. So I, I, I feel like there's got to be a lot of there, – there's a quite a – the 30 for 30 is not going to be enough. There's going to have to be like a oral history. Uh, you know, who's it? Who's it? James Andrew Miller. Is that the guy who wrote the ESPN and the uh, CAA oral histories? Like, I, I think that's what's got to be coming next. Well, I thought the Blazers were doing like team ice tubs at like 1.30 a.m. after their win the other night. So that one made me laugh because you just see all these guys freaking out, getting into ice baths in the middle of the night. And they're just, you know, they're feeling good after a win. So, yeah, I think you get the emotions of the competition coming through in lots of different ways, too. And um, so that's always fun to see. I'm just glad these guys are back doing what they love. I mean, I think that that was one of the biggest takeaways from the first week of basketball is that the players missed the game more than the fans. And the fans missed the game a lot. But the players just they hit the ground running because they were ready to play. They they wanted to play. They had all this built up competitive juice and then they let it out early all right three observations that actually basketball observations that will impact the playoffs that actually so we're talking teams that matter right we're talking lakers clippers bucks sixers raptors what are your three observations that you've actually seen that matter well the first one i think we got to start with is the lakers offensive woes i believe they're they're dead last right now in scoring in the bubble. It's a little bit misleading because they've already wrapped up the seed. So that it's not like they're gunning every single night. Um, but I just have a question on who's their number three guy. Is it going to be Kuzma? What's up with Danny green? Are they going to have enough support? Because if, if 80 goes crazy and 80 has 40 points, they're going to win. If he doesn't, um, they're losing here. And that, that doesn't seem like the most sustainable model to win a title where, you know, you're basically relying only upon your two superstar level guys, you're going to need a, a little bit better balance than that. I would say that's kind of like, uh, you know, my number one uh, big picture takeaway. The second one would be it's just like the mental battle facing Milwaukee in terms of like, how do they manage Giannis's minutes? How do they keep their spirits together? You saw them take their foot off the gas against Brooklyn and lose that shocking game. Um, the problem for them is they're not going to have a, a real game that matters for more than a month. And they've already been here a month. That's so much downtime, you know, two months to basically have these guys go through the motions, you know, practice, scrimmage, play some games that don't matter, you know, and then ultimately get a first round opponent that you're going to be able to wipe off the court instantly. Um, I think that's a real basketball challenge, coaching challenge, mental challenge as well. Um, and then the other takeaway for me from the Clippers, and I'll just, that'll be my third because they're the three top contenders, I think, has just been Paul George looking healthy and shooting the ball really well. They're a different team when he's, uh, you know, hitting the three-pointers. Uh, opening night, he kind of came out with a, a bang. Uh, looked great against the Pelicans, just wiped them off the court in the second game. And so I think if you're the Clippers, even though, you know, you, you get beat by the uh, the buzzer beater uh, by Devin Booker the other night, and, and you did drop that head-to-head -head game against the Lakers on opening night, you've got to feel pretty good, especially if you can get Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams back acclimated, uh, you know, before the playoffs or early in the playoffs and, and up to speed. Uh, just because you've got your star guy who missed some time this year, you know, kind of on and off with injuries, uh, looking really good and shooting the ball very well. He's Ben Golliver, Washington Post. Ben, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Great reports from inside the bubble. And uh, I think you'll be back next week with uh, David. And with David, I think Wes is off. So hopefully we'll get you twice a week again next week. Thanks so much for the time on Locked on NBA.
my pleasure, Locke. I love to do it. You can't escape me. I'm everywhere. I love it. Ben Golliver, get him at the Washington Post. Go to at Ben Golliver on Twitter and subscribe for his his newsletter is pinned to the top. Make sure you go get that. I mentioned Tom Ziller uh, earlier in the show. It's Good Morning Basketball. Tom Ziller, feel free to support Tom as well. This is Locked On NBA, your daily podcast on the NBA, giving you a recap of all last night's actions in the big picture of the NBA. Anthony and Adam will be with you tomorrow on the show.